You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, November 14th, 2022. Coming up this hour. President Biden meets with China's Xi Jinping as tensions between the two countries simmer. A win for Democrats as the party cements control of the Senate. Stocks start the day coming off their best week since June. And a top Fed official says there's still a ways to go before stopping interest rate hikes. The Sandy Hook Memorial for the 26 people killed opens to the public. Plus, the TSA is investigating how a man got on a front Frontier Airlines flight with two box cutters. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer on sports. Saquon Barkley led the Giants to victory over Houston. The Knicks and Nets lost a win for the Rangers. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 601 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 17 points. Dow futures down 99. And NASDAQ futures down 82. The 10-year Treasury down 1830 seconds. Yield 3.88%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.37%. And NYMEX crude oil is down 7 tenths of a percent. Nathan. Karen, we begin with a high-powered meeting between the leaders of the U.S. And China. Discussions are underway between Presidents Joe Biden and Xi Jinping in Bali, Indonesia, on the sidelines of the G20 summit. Bloomberg's Stephen Engel is there and has the very latest. Their high stakes, obviously, is the first face-to-face meeting since Joe Biden became president between himself and Xi Jinping. They've met many times before. They've had five conversations over the phone or video conference since he became president. They've accumulated some 67 hours face-to-face over the years, of course, as Joe Biden was vice president under Obama. Uh, So they know each other, but there are so many sticking issues as the relationship between China and the United States has, in many accounts, deteriorated to the point where they've cut off military-to-military Dialogue. They've cut off some climate change cooperation uh, following that controversial visit by the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan. Bloomberg's Stephen Engel in Bali says the Biden administration's played down expectations for this meeting, casting it as a first step rather than a decisive showdown. 
Still, Nathan, President Biden says he's coming into this meeting with President Xi in a strong position after a better-than-expected midterm election. Democrats have retained control of the Senate after word that Catherine Cortez Masto won re-election in Nevada. The red wave for Republicans did not come to pass, and we get more from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter. There's growing thought that it was voters repudiating extremism and election deniers. Republican Governor Chris Sununu on ABC says the party needs to stand up and take notice. There's a, a, a sense of extremism that I think a lot of Republicans were painted with, rightfully or not. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Too many Republican leaders actually encouraged the threats of violence, the violence, the denial of an election. The House is still in the balance, but Democrats pretty much need to run the table to win the House. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Ed. Turning to markets now, stocks are coming off their best week since June. Tech was the big winner following last week's inflation report. The Nasdaq 100 climbed 9.4% on Thursday and Friday for its best two-day gain since 2008. Ryan Dietrich is chief market strategist at the Carson Group. We are optimistic. We made another major market low in October. Six of the last 17 bear markets ended in October. This could be another one. And again, expectations are so low that any good news can continue to kind of push this beach ball higher. Carson Group's Ryan Dietrich says the S&P 500 is up 11 percent since the end of September. At the same time, Nathan's stocks are likely to end next year almost unchanged from their current level. That's according to Morgan Stanley's Michael Wilson. The top-rated strategist sees a volatile path to get to his 2023 year-end S&P target of 3,900 points. That's about 2% below where stocks closed on Friday. Wilson expects equities to fall as earnings estimates come down before rebounding in the second half of next year. Many strategists, Karen, say the key for markets will be the Fed pivoting from its rate hike cycle. But Fed Governor Christopher Waller says there's still a ways to go before they stop raising interest rates. He told a conference in Sydney this morning rates will stay high for a while until inflation gets closer to the Fed's target. Goldman Sachs sees a significant decline in inflation next year, Nathan. The firm expects the core PCE measure to decline to 2.9% by December of 2023. It's currently at 5.1%. Goldman points to softening supply chain problems, a peak in shelter inflation, and slower wage growth. Now we want to bring you up to date on the latest developments involving FTX. Authorities in the Bahamas are investigating whether there was criminal misconduct in the collapse of the crypto exchange. Police and regulators interviewed co-founder Sam Bankman-Fried on Saturday. There are growing signs FTX customers have little chance of recovering their deposits. The head of rival exchange Binance, CZ Zhao, says the industry can't leave it to regulators to police wrongdoing. No one can protect a bad player, to be very frank. If a guy is very good at lying and is very good at just pretending to be what he's not, somebody wants to violate the law, the law is not going to prevent that. Uh, the law can help to reduce that. Um, as industry players, we should be more vocal about it. We should set very strong standards for the industry. Finance's CZ Zhao was involved in a public feud with Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX, a dispute that played out as part of the collapse of FTX last week. And let's turn our attention now to Elon Musk, Nathan. The world's richest man says he has too much work on his plate. He's currently the CEO of Twitter, Tesla, and SpaceX, plus a few other ventures. And speaking at a business conference running alongside the G20, Musk said the amount that he tortures himself is, quote, next level. I mean, I'm really working at the absolute most amount that I can work from morning till night, seven days a week. Um, so this is not something I'd recommend, frankly. Um, yeah. 
Musk, who took over Twitter earlier this month, has already fired around half the firm's staff and ended the company's work-from-home policy. Another uh, corporate story we're watching this morning, Karen Roche. It says a long-awaited experimental drug for Alzheimer's disease failed in a pair of large studies. It is another disappointment in a research field that's been marred with failures. Right now, Roche shares are down more than 4.5% in Europe. And finally, Nathan, London has lost its crown as Europe's biggest stock market. It's now behind Paris as economic growth concerns weigh on U.K. assets. Meantime, China's relaxation of COVID rules is boosting French luxury shares. Currency movements have also been an advantage for Paris as the pound has weakened 13% against the dollar this year. The euro has fared slightly better, weakening around 9%. Futures this morning are moving lower. And uh, straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 607 on Wall Street. We're at 39 degrees in Central Park, headed to the upper 40s today. And Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The long-awaited memorial to the victims of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting officially opened to the public yesterday, drawing visitors steadily throughout the day. A circular memorial pool stood in front of the engraved names of the first graders, 20 of them, and six educators killed a short distance away from the school nearly 10 years ago. There was no ceremony in keeping with Newtown's tradition of marking anniversaries and other remembrances of the shooting with quiet reflection. Just what Jenny Hubbard and other Sandy Hook parents and families were hoping for. When you have a tragedy like... Sandy Hook or any other tragedy that rocks any community, it's nice to have a place that marks that moment. It will be 10 years next month that Jenny's daughter, Catherine Hubbard, just six, was killed in the Sandy Hook shooting. Former Vice President Mike Pence is talking about what happened during the January 6th attack. Ahead of his new book release, Pence on ABC condemned then-President Trump's actions that day, saying he endangered his family and everyone in the Capitol. He says the president's words were reckless, and it was clear he decided to be part of the problem. I turned to my daughter, who was standing nearby, and I said, it doesn't take courage to break the law. It takes courage to uphold the law. Mike Pence's new book, entitled So Help Me God, comes out tomorrow. More hospitals report a surge of patients, young and old, with RSV and the flu, the most and earliest in years. Connecticut hospitals are considering asking for National Guard help. Dr. Ian Michelow, Connecticut Children's Med Center in Hartford, says their ER is full and have longer wait times. Some people are calling it a twindemic. Younger children, unfortunately, under six, have smaller airways, so they can't deal with the, the secretions as easily as older children. So those tend to be the sicker children. Dr. Michelow says older patients potentially getting pneumonia is also a concern. There are new concerns about airport security after what happened on a Frontier Airlines plane late last week. The TSA is sending some agents back to training after a man boarded a Frontier Airlines flight in northern Kentucky with two box cutters and reportedly threatened to harm other passengers. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 
Almost 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashow. All right, Nathan, the day began with a report that during the bye week, the Giants held contract talks with Saquon Barkley. The two sides are far apart and won't talk again until after the season. Barkley is having a terrific season. Yesterday, he was busy. 35 carries, 152 yards, and the Giants went to him late in the game. Jones now over center. Hand off Barkley. Runs right to the end zone. Touchdown, Giants. Saquon Barkley from two yards out. His sixth, sixth rushing touchdown of the season. And the Giants answer Houston with seven of their own with 2.21 to go. WFAN had the call. Barkley now leads the NFL in rushing. Big reason why the Giants are 7-2. and two. They beat Houston in MetLife 24-16. to A couple of Daniel Jones TD passes. And the Giants defense only allowed one. TD. Another winnable game for Big Blue this Sunday at home against Detroit. Giants now sole possession of second place NFC East as Dallas lost in overtime at Green Bay. The Packers end a five-game losing streak. The game of the day, maybe the season, was in Buffalo. Bills led Minnesota by 17 in the second half. The game appeared over. When up four, they stopped the Vikings at the one-yard line. But Josh Allen fumbled a snap. The Vikes recovered for a go-ahead touchdown. Bills still tied the game, but Minnesota won 33-30 in overtime. And the Vikes are 8-1. Two games at the Garden. First, the Knicks. They got outscored by Oklahoma City 145 to 135. The Thunder shot 63%. The Rangers then beat Arizona 4 to 1. The Nets, a second straight game at the Staples Center after a win over the Clippers. They lost to the Lakers who played without LeBron James. Anthony Davis scored 37. The Lakers won 116-103. Kevin Durant scored 31 for Brooklyn. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. S&P futures now down 17 points. Dow futures down 105. NASDAQ futures are lower by 86 points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are falling this morning while European benchmark takes higher. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 17 points this morning. Dow futures down 92. NASDAQ futures down 82. The DAX in Germany is up a third of a percent. The 10-year Treasury down 21.30 seconds, yield 3.89%. Yield on the two-year, 4.38%. NYMEX crude oil is down 7 tenths percent or 63 cents at $88.31 a barrel. Comex gold down seven tenths percent or twelve dollars ten cents at seventeen fifty seven twenty an ounce. The euro one point oh two eight five against the dollar. British pound one point one seven six one and the yen one forty point seven five. And Bitcoin this morning up two point eight percent at sixteen thousand eight hundred dollars. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden is talking right now with Chinese President Xi Jinping for their first in-person meeting since the U.S. president took office nearly two years ago. They're meeting on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Indonesia. The world's richest man is trading barbs with a U.S. senator on Twitter. Senator Ed Markey went after Elon Musk over the new verification process on Twitter. That led the CEO to criticize Markey, saying his Twitter account sounds like a parody. The two have gone back and forth, culminating in a tweet from Markey saying, quote, fix your companies or Congress will. 
In the NFL, the Giants won. The 49ers were also winners. In the NBA, the Knicks, Nets, and Warriors lost. The Wizards won. In hockey, the Rangers and Bruins won. The Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And with us now live from Bali, Indonesia, at the G20 Summit, is Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government, Rosalind Matheson. Ros, it's great to speak with you this morning. Of course, what we're really focused on right now is what's happening on the sidelines of the G20 and this face-to-face gathering between Presidents Biden and Xi of China. We've gotten the handshake. We've gotten the introductory comments. The President says the United States stands ready to work with China if that's what they desire. What stands out to you so far? Well, it's interesting to have seen the the body language and the, and the handshake and the comments at the top of the meeting because they're now locked away in a room for at least several hours, we're expecting. But certainly you can see from the language uh, and their interactions that there seems to be a desire to at least stop the relationship from getting worse because it's really been in a downward spiral for a matter of years between these countries, disputes over market access, over technology, over Taiwan, over Hong Kong, and a bunch of different things. And so perhaps just a recognition that for each of them, there's a vested interest here in finding some kind of flaw in the relationship, and that's just a sort of set some new guardrails, really, around their relationships. But it also allows each of them to set out really what's important and what their red lines are. Uh, And so Xi Jinping and Joe Biden will both be doing that in the conversation. So we're not looking for major, major new developments or new announcements. Perhaps they'll resume some dialogue on issues around climate change and and other common matters. Um, But at least the fact that they're agreeing to see each other sit face-to-face and possibly talk for several hours um, has to be taken as a positive sign. Ahead of this meeting, we heard from the president saying that he feels as though he came into this encounter with President Xi from a position of strength, given the results of the midterm elections last week. How could domestic U.S. politics play into what comes out of this bilat once it gets finished? Well, certainly at least for Biden, it does allow him to come into this meeting feeling like he's had you know, a fairly okay result of late. Obviously, the Democrats not doing nearly as badly in the midterm elections as had been expected. And if if that had been the case, it really would have put him on the back foot um, into that conversation. It probably won't substantially change the narrative inside the room because either way, we're looking at two years, really, of quite a lot of difficulty in Congress in terms of policymaking and developments uh, and in the run-up to the 2024 election. You can expect both Democrats and Republicans to push for a harder line, really, on China overall in the longer term, and that'll probably box Biden in a little bit. But at least this way, if they've begun a proper face-to-face dialogue and they can continue that at further meetings, you know, in, in the rest of Biden's first term as president, then that at least allows them to have a direct relationship to sort things out because we saw that be fairly successful at, at, at some points, at least, between uh, Xi Jinping and the former U.S. President Donald Trump. Uh, they at least managed to have a rapport, and they could speak pretty honestly with each other. Now, we've heard a lot about what the U.S. red lines are and where the president thinks that the U.S. and China can sort of work together. You mentioned the, the climate change issue in particular. From the Chinese side, what's your uh, idea of what, President Xi is hoping to get out of this meeting with President Biden. We can imagine that there will be at least some conversation around Taiwan um, because China has 
watch with what they would think of as alarm some of them increasingly hawkish statements from the US in terms of supporting Taiwan, which is a democratically ruled island that China in turn sees as part of its territory. And of course, the visit uh, by the, the, the US House Speaker, outgoing House Speaker Nancy Pelosi really sort of saw tensions between the countries escalate. So you can imagine the Xi Jinping will want to use some of this time at least to lay out why for him uh, Taiwan is, is sort of non-negotiable and any effort to really sort of step things up there militarily could could end in the kind of sort of catastrophic uh, incident between their militaries that probably both sides want to avoid. And in our last 30 seconds here, Roz, are we expecting this bilat to have any impact on the overall G20? Obviously, much of the focus is on the war in Ukraine. And, of course, China and Russia have a very close relationship, although China has uh, been somewhat skittish around the potential use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine. Well, certainly the one thing that, that there could be some tension on from this is the feeling that China is going to refuse to sign up to particularly strong language in the G20 communique that condemns Russia and about its war in Ukraine. And, and China will be uneasy about that. We're hearing that from our sources in a story we just published recently that that's the case. And so you can imagine that the U.S. will be cross with China for doing so. That's making the negotiations here on that communique particularly awkward. All right, Roz, as always, great to have you on with us. Rosalind Matheson, Executive Editor for International Government for Bloomberg News, with us live this morning from Bali, Indonesia, awaiting the conclusion of the Biden-Xi bilat. We're expecting comments from President Biden. Uh, once the talks with President Xi conclude, we will bring you the president's remarks live here on Bloomberg Radio. Ahead of the market open, S&P futures are down 16 points. Dow futures down 90 And NASDAQ futures are lower by 85 points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Jewish Communal Fund. For 50 years, philanthropists at all levels have turned to JCF's donor-advised funds to streamline their charitable giving. Visit jcfny.org. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things that you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers clients earn interest of up to 3.33% on the idle cash in their brokerage accounts. Visit IBKR.com slash interest rates to learn more. Up first, U.S. stock index futures are lower as U.S. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping meet face-to-face. The two shook hands and are speaking in Bali, Indonesia, the G20 summit. Both called for reduced tensions between the world's largest economies. As the leaders of uh, our two nations, we share responsibility, in my view, to show that China and the United States can manage our differences, prevent competition from becoming anything ever near conflict. And President Biden's administration is casting the meeting as a first step rather than a decisive showdown. Back here in the U.S., Karen, stocks are coming off their best week since June. But last week's inflation print is unlikely to carry this rally for much longer. That's according to UBS Senior Vice President Brenda O'Connor-Juanis. 
we need to see a lot of other conditions here before we are believers of this market bottom. Things like we need to see that two-year come in a little bit and a legitimate bottoming in things like housing or ISM. And so I'm telling my families to expect to go down from here. Brenda O'Connor Wannis with UBS says an unsustainable labor market is keeping inflation high. Well, Nathan Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson shares that bearish sentiment. He says stocks will end next year almost unchanged from their current level. Wilson expects stocks and earnings estimates to fall before rebounding in the second half of 2023. At the same time, Karen Goldman Sachs forecasts a significant drop in inflation coming next year. The firm sees supply chains easing, a peak in shelter inflation, and slower wage growth. But that does not mean the Federal Reserve pivots from its rate hike cycle, despite calls along those lines. Fed Governor Christopher Waller says, there's still a ways to go before they stop hiking rates. Well, turning to crypto now, Nathan, authorities in the Bahamas are investigating whether there was criminal misconduct in the collapse of the crypto exchange FTX. Now, the head of rival exchange Binance, CZ Zhao, says the industry can't leave it to regulators to police wrongdoing. There is quite a lot of players in, the, in our space that try to cut corners to grow quickly. And that actually destroys consumer trust. When they don't trust them, they come. they don't go to them. They actually go to a platform they trust. Finances' CZ Zhao was involved in a public feud with Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX ahead of the firm's rapid collapse. And futures this morning are lower. That's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. All right, thank you, Karen. It is 6.33 on Wall Street. We're at 39 degrees in Central Park. And we are dealing with 30-minute delays in the inbound Lincoln Tunnel. We'll tell you why in traffic. First, Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The long-awaited memorial to the victims of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Connecticut officially opened to the public yesterday. There was no ceremony in keeping with Newtown's tradition of marking anniversaries and other remembrances of the shooting with quiet reflection. Twenty children and six educators were killed ten years ago next month. Ahead of his new book release, former Vice President Mike Pence condemned then-President Trump's actions on January 6, 2021. Pence, speaking with ABC, says the president's words that day at the rally endangered me and my family and everyone at the Capitol building. It angered me. But I turned to my daughter, who was standing nearby, and I said, it doesn't take courage to break the law. It takes courage to uphold the law. I mean, the president's words were reckless. It was clear he decided to be part of the problem. Pence's book, So Help Me God, comes out tomorrow. A new turning point in the war in Ukraine. Russian forces were driven out of Kherson. Now Ukraine says it has recaptured another village in the eastern Donbas region. Turkey's interior minister says police have detained a suspect who is believed to have planted a bomb that exploded on a bustling pedestrian avenue in Istanbul. He said today that the initial findings indicate that Kurdish militants were responsible for the attack that killed six people and wounded dozens. Officials are in Dallas to try to figure out what caused two historic military planes to collide at a weekend air show killing six people. Michael Graham is with the NTSB. We're analyzing radar and video footage to pinpoint the exact location of where the midair occurred. The NTSB's Michael Graham says it will probably take four to six weeks to reach a preliminary finding. A man is in custody after a scare aboard a Frontier Airlines flight. It departed Cincinnati, northern Kentucky International Airport on Friday for Tampa, but diverted to Atlanta, where police arrested a passenger allegedly discovered with a box cutter. This man was on that flight saying the passenger began attracting attention even while boarding. 
talked to the gentleman who was actually sitting next to him, and he said he flashed a box knife at me and said, I want to kill or I want to stab people. Authorities say they found a second box cutter in the passenger's carry-on. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Coming up to 636 on Wall Street, and John Stashauer's the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Outing. All right, Nathan, another win for the Giants. Now 7-2, and two, but this win, unlike the others, Giants five times this year have rallied in the fourth quarter. This time they never trailed against Houston, who's got the NFL's worst record. Giants won 24-16. to couple of Daniel Jones TD passes. Saquon Barkley also scored. He had 35 carries for 152 yards. But after the game, a lot of attention paid to a report that there were recently contract talks, and the two sides were far apart. It is what it is. It happened. Uh, I'm just happy that we were able to at least have a conversation. Um, I know how they feel about me. Um, uh, they spoke very high of me. Um, but like I said, we were able to get get any, anything done during the bye week. And I agree with Joe. Just, you know, lock it up and worry for the rest of the season and make sure no distractions come out of it. Joe Shane's the GM. Barkley did say he wants to be a giant for life. Minnesota now 8-1, and a wild overtime win at Buffalo. Josh Allen in the fourth quarter and the OT had three turnovers. He fumbled a snap at the one-yard line. That was recovered for a Vikings touchdown. Miami now leads the AFC East as the Dolphins blew out Cleveland. Kansas City is an AFC best 7-2 with a win over Jacksonville. Four TD passes for Patrick Mahomes. Three for Aaron Judge and Green Bay ended a five-game losing streak beating Dallas in overtime. They beat their former coach Mike McCarthy. The first ever game in Germany won by Tampa Bay over Seattle. Indianapolis' first game for new coach Jeff Saturday. A win at Las Vegas. The L.A. Rams Super Bowl champs a year ago now 3-6. and six. After a loss to Arizona last night, the 49ers rallied past the Chargers 22 to 16. No defense by the Knicks. They lost to Oklahoma City at the Garden 145-135. Nets lost to the Lakers in LA 116-103. Rangers beat Arizona 4 to 1. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Thank you, John. It is 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market and as the leaders of the U.S. and China meet in Bali, Indonesia, I guess it makes sense that Bloomberg Radio and TV markets correspondent Kriti Gupta is keeping an eye on U.S. listed Chinese stocks. Good morning, Kriti. Good morning. Certainly something to keep an eye on. But remember, at the same time that meeting is on the books, you also have China actually issuing a 16-point plan to financial firms to boost the real estate market. We know the property sector has been a real hot point for commodities and for the global economy in China. The idea here simply being that perhaps it got grew too fast too quickly uh, and therefore is on the verge of some sort of bubble. But nevertheless, this is a point that really talks about how they can re-vigor, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, the real estate market. And in doing so, they're talking about things like liquidity, things like loosening down payment requirements. This is all going to bode well, not just for the real estate sector, but for the Chinese economy broadly. So as a international investor, we love to look at our Chinese ADRs kind of that poster child for the China story. Alibaba is our go-to. BABA shares are up about 1.8% in the pre-market. Not far behind it is JD.com. Those shares up about just shy of 4%. JD is also the ticker as well as the name of the company. But Nathan, it's not the only company that I have my eye on this morning. Right. When we talk about China, we got to talk about chips as well. Sure. And AMD is absolutely on my radar 
Advanced Micro Devices, AMD is the ticker, up about 2.8% in the pre-market. This comes after UBS and Baird upgraded the chipmaker to buy and outperform, respectively. Remember, back on Friday, we got news that they were looking to really diversify into the server space and actually have really re-enlisted some of the confidence from analysts that they're able to retake a lot of the Intel market share, which has really been a neck-and-neck race so far. Now, we've been watching Roche shares as well, Creedy, dropping on word that it's uh, Alzheimer's drug failed in uh, tests. What's that doing in the overall health space? Well, it's really helping one of the big players, which is Biogen. B-I-I-B is your ticker, and those shares are up 5% in the pre-market. Now, the context is everything here because, remember, Biogen has been dealing with their own uh, kind of regulation and regulatory issues, not just in the United States, but in Japan specifically for their Alzheimer's drug. So to see that potential competitor come out of Roche be failed, a pair of large studies that does bode well for the success of Biogen's own trials. So certainly keep an eye on that one as well. Nathan, I want to give you two last ones, which really okay. has to do more with the labor story. Disney, very quickly, DIS, up about five-tenths of one percent, and FDX for FedEx, uh, down about four-tenths of one percent, both dealing with reports on potential layoffs in the fourth quarter. All right, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta keeping an eye on the pre-market action this morning. want to pass along this red headline that just crossed the Bloomberg terminal. CNN is reporting Amazon founder Jeff Bezos plans to give away the majority of his money during his lifetime, planning to give most of his wealth to fighting climate change. Futures moving lower ahead of the market open. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are lower this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are in the red right now. Dow futures down 65 points. S&P's dropped 13. And NASDAQ futures are lower by 72. The U.S. 10-year-old at 3.89%. Gold is down 16. Oil is in the red. But Bitcoin is trading higher by 2.3%. Japan fell 1% overnight while European markets are trading in the green this morning. And back in the U.S., nothing to report on the economic front. In other news, Goldman Sachs sees a significant decline in U.S. inflation next year. And in the biotech space, Biogen is climbing pre-market after Roche's Alzheimer's drug failed in a pair of large studies. Wrapping things up, Bank of America was cut to neutral at Citigroup. Dominion Energy raised to neutral at Goldman Sachs. And AMD was raised to buy over at UBS. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden has begun his meeting with his Chinese counterpart, President Xi Jinping, on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Indonesia. Senator Ed Markey and Elon Musk aren't BFFs on Twitter. Markey went after Musk over the new verification process on Twitter. That led the CEO to criticize Markey, saying his Twitter account Sounds like a parody. The two have gone back and forth, culminating in a tweet from Markey saying, quote, fix your companies or Congress will. 
In the NFL, the Giants won. The 49ers also winners. In the NBA, the Knicks, Nets, and Warriors lost. The Wizards won. In hockey, the Rangers and Bruins won. The Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. The reason you're still waiting to order a meal. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Even after adjusting for inflation, consumer spending at restaurants and bars is up more than 7% from before the pandemic. Employment at such establishments is down more than 4%. That can be irritating for diners. It's also economic progress. In the 2010s, restaurants were among the country's main job creators, but pay was low and productivity growth almost non-existent. A dining out boom is fun, but it's not something you can build a prosperous economy around. Then came the pandemic. It was initially a disaster for restaurants, but as they revived, some remarkable things happened. Food services output per hour worked. Productivity grew more last year than it had in the previous three decades. Wages for restaurant workers rose quickly as well, and unlike in other sectors, have held their ground against inflation. I'm Justin Fox. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It is currently 6.50 on Wall Street when we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, NJIT has joined with McKinsey and Company to establish a McKinsey Digital Capabilities Center specializing in biopharma manufacturing. Learn more at njit.edu. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Roche says a long-awaited experimental drug for Alzheimer's disease failed in a pair of large studies. The drug did not slow clinical decline in people with early Alzheimer's. It's another disappointment in a research field that has been marred with failures. A U.K. study has found fluoridating water leads to a modest reduction in children's tooth decay but remains a cost-effective way to prevent dental disease. According to a report in the Public Health Research Journal, the rate of children with cavities fell as much as four percentage points in areas with fluoridated water, far smaller gains than those seen in earlier studies that established the effectiveness of the intervention. However, the costs of children's treatment are as much as ten times greater than those of fluoridation. And Elon Musk says he's overworked. The man who runs Twitter, Tesla, and SpaceX told the business conference in Indonesia that he's working morning to night, seven days a week. He says it's not something he would recommend. Musk just scrapped Twitter's work-from-home policies. He's been known to sleep at work, sometimes on the factory floor. That's a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thanks. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, where it's almost 6.52 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C., where some of the top stories include Democrats holding off the predicted red wave in the November midterms. The president, we have the White House, we have the Senate, and we're going to have a big, strong vote in the House, a very different outcome than some would have predicted. And on the heels of that outcome, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi tells ABC's This Week President Biden should run for re-election in 2024. He's put money in people's pockets, vaccines in their arms, children back to school, people back to work, 
creating 10 million jobs. President Biden isn't planning to announce for several more weeks, but we do expect an announcement tomorrow night from former President Donald Trump. Republican Senator Bill Cassidy tells NBC's Meet the Press his party needs to look to the future. The Republican Party should be the party of ideas and principles. I think I have attempted to live my political life that way. But before the next campaign cycle, Congress still has a lame duck session and a debate over raising the debt ceiling. Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren tells Meet the Press they should just get rid of it. It serves no function except to create leverage for people who are willing to blow up the economy. Also making news, President Biden's first face-to-face meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Ahead of it, Republican Senator Tom Cotton told CBS's Face the Nation the president needs to be firm on America's red lines. We don't want to see a repeat of what happened last summer in Russia when Vladimir Putin walked away from their summit in Europe, tempted to go for the jugular in Ukraine. Face the Nation, meet the press, and this week can be heard every Sunday right here on Bloomberg Radio. Let's get more now from Bloomberg Government reporter Emily Wilkins joining us live from the nation's capital. And Emily, let's start off with that Biden-Xi meeting still underway. What should we be looking for coming out of it? So I think what the goal for Biden entering this meeting was, was to really lower the temperature between the two countries. Uh, He's been working with allies who have that goal. And what Biden said before he went in is that, you know, he wanted to see where the kind of the red lines were between the U.S. and China, that he said that there wasn't much understanding between him and President Xi Jinping. Um, And it was just to sort of a matter of figuring out, you know, sort of where where the countries, you know, will see each other as going too far. Certainly, the U.S. has continued to hold strong. Um, on its current stance on Taiwan. Uh, But there's been tension there after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had her major visit several months ago. Uh, And I think there's just a a couple questions, you know, as far as diplomatic relations uh, and sort of how the other countries are looking at each other. This, of course, is a huge meeting. Uh, It's the first time that that Biden and Xi are meeting face to face. They've done virtual meetings, of course, before. But due to COVID precautions and lockdowns, uh, Xi hasn't been out of China too much. And so I think we're really going to be looking very closely at the statements that come out after these meetings for what unity or what differences are going to be there. Uh, and certainly going to be taking a close look at that relationship going forward. Um, you know, going into it, both seem to sort of set the tone of, of having a productive conversation. Uh, but we also expect this to, to be a very highly scripted one. Um, and and it'll be paying very close attention, of course, to what, whatever the result of this meeting is. And this meeting is coming after a stronger than expected showing in last week's midterms for Democrats with a thinner than expected majority still, I guess, expected for Republicans in the House. What's this going to mean for policymaking uh, in the lame duck and uh, for the next two years? Well, Democrats wound up having a much better night than they expected last Tuesday, and that really helps Biden's strength. He's able to go into this meeting with President Xi Jinping, knowing that next year he will have the Senate on his side. We know that Democrats have at least 50 votes in the Senate. That's what they need for control. That's going to mean that Biden's administration, he's not going to be handcuffed when he needs to, say, appoint new nominees or do things that require only Senate control. So that kind of gives him a bit of a boost going into this meeting to show that a lot of Americans, or at least more than were expected, are behind him and his agenda and his party. So that's certainly something that's good for Biden, not just when dealing with Xi, really, but when dealing with any sort of international leader, uh, to be able to show that he has the strength of, of his own government behind him. In our last minute here, Emily, what is this tiff on Twitter between the new CEO, Elon Musk, and Senator Ed Markey? 
So Elon Musk has talked a lot about wanting to have Twitter be an accurate site uh, for, for good information. And you had Senator Ed Markey write a letter, which he shared publicly, asking Elon Musk, Musk to fix some of the verification processes, noting uh, that there was a reporter who, for journalistic purposes, created a fake a Twitter profile of the senator, paid for verification, and, and Ed Markey said in a letter, hey, uh, Elon Musk, you need to address this. Um, and instead of taking the concern seriously, uh, Musk decided to respond by saying that Markey's account is usually like a parody. Um, he said, perhaps it's, perhaps it's because your real account sounds like a parody. Um, after which Markey responded, noting that there are a number of federal problems uh, with uh, Musk's companies and that if he doesn't fix his companies, Congress will. So lots of tensions there. I think there there remains to be a lot of questions about what exactly Twitter is going to look like in something where you can ha- you can pretend to be a senator, you can pretend to be a congressman, you can pretend to be a public official, uh, so long as you're willing to pay those eight bucks for a blue check mark. Yeah, it could be uh, one more thing on Congress's plate, even as Elon Musk says he's got a lot on his plate as well. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins, thank you as always. Read more at Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington at Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Futures moving lower this morning. Bloomberg Surveillance is next with Tom Keen, Jonathan Farrow, and Lisa Abramowitz. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.